2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. I'm Ben Wittenstein.
3: You know who I am. I'm Zach Badgerhouse, and I'm always in the house.
2: (laughs) We appreciate everyone for subscribing, rating, reviewing, looking in on our uh, voicemail line, too. We'll play that in a second. Um, But Zach, this is our, uh, I guess, our Texas basketball preview, minus the San Antonio Spurs, but we got the Mavericks we gonna try got to get the Rockets. <laughs> we do. We do. So who, who do we got for our preview episode
3: today? So, you know, we got the Houston Rockets, and that's going to be lovely because we got Mr. Lashard Binkley on all the way down in H-Town to talk everything Houston Rockets. And we went all the way to Dallas, too, you know, not too far from Houston, about a three and a half hour drive. So we <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went all the way down to uh, up to, uh, well, up. Uh, to the uh, Dallas area (laughs) to speak with Lauren Gunn. She is also a contributor to SB Nation, Mavs Moneyball. So it was very exciting to speak with both of them, but I hope everyone has the opportunity to enjoy them.
2: Yeah, follow them on Twitter too, but uh, it's a hot start. Hot start to our team previews during the Mm -hmm. offseason, Zach. I'm excited. uh, We're just going to be reaching out a bunch of people, calling more people, getting their opinions, getting them on the show. It's going to be exciting. It fun. will be
3: exciting. It will be exciting. Ben. And what I want to say is I want to kind of do like a geographic sort of thing where we go down and then we come all the way back up, go a little <laughs> bit out west and go out east a little bit, too. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can get somebody from San Antonio and then we go to New Orleans and then we go to Memphis, you know, something along the lines of that type of thing. So just stay tuned on the Points in the Pain podcast and make sure you listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If we're doing that, we have to tell them to send us food from wherever they are. We're doing New Orleans. If we're doing Memphis, if we're doing San Antonio, they're sending us food. That's, That's just what we get out of it. That's the perks of being podcasters in 2021 right there.
3: Hey, that's true though because it's some good food. Down yeah. Memphis, New Orleans. I've never had food in New Orleans, but it just the the way it looks, it just looks oh. scrumptious. You know what I'm saying? It it's looks fantastic. Delicious. So I definitely would like to have some food from New Orleans and the Memphis area too, and probably some nice authentic Mexican food out in San oh, Antonio. Yeah. So yeah, that would all be super exciting. So whoever we have on, they gotta definitely <laughs> gotta send us food. <laughs> send
2: can you us- tell we're recording this around dinner time? Hopefully, people can tell that one. Uh, We also have our voicemail line, 773-273-9088. Give us a call, let us know what you think. We got a call from Marty Martin from Detroit. We'll play that.
1: Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Hey man, look here, this is uh, Marty Martin from out of Detroit. Look, I think that K Cunningham is the second coming of Zeke, man. I think he's about to change Detroit forever. Hey, buffed up, man. We finally buffed up out there with K. So um, looking forward to a great season. If you not rocking with him, don't come to Detroit no more.
2: <laughs> and it was a lot of fun to hear from him. So, so we're very excited to have this voicemail line. It's just getting started. Uh, yes. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from the points and the painters. NBA season's coming up. We're going to get the full 82 games. Hopefully COVID doesn't play too much of an impact on the season. So we are ready for all the hot takes. Lauren gave us some hot takes uh, about did. the Dallas Mavericks. An interesting trade that she wants to happen or she thinks could possibly happen. So and then on the other side out.
3: too, right? LaShard giving us the, you know, what the Houston fans would like to see happen via trade. And so, you know, we got a lot to dive into with these uh two interviews and I'm excited for everyone to hear them.
2: All right, so we'll start with Lauren Gunn, and then we'll have Lashard Binkley talk. So it'll be Mavericks and then Rockets, and uh, we hope everyone enjoys.
3: We want to welcome a wonderful guest on the Points in the Paint podcast. She is a co-host of the Gunshot podcast and a contributor for SB Nation's Mavs Moneyball. We want to welcome... Miss Lauren Gunn on the Points in the Pain Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you.
0: Thank you guys so much for having me. I uh, I'm stoked to be here, stoked to to talk hoops with you guys, Dallas Mavericks, whatever you want to talk about. So thank you guys so much for having me.
3: Oh yeah. We're excited to speak. I am very excited to talk Dallas Mavs. Never really had anyone down in that area to come on the podcast. So you're the first. And so let's rock things out. I'm honored. So just the first impression overall of your thoughts. On the Dallas Mavericks last season, how do you think they did overall last season?
0: oh man well, there's a lot of layers to that answer so I'll try to keep it short because the biggest the, <laughs> two, the the two biggest things were well the biggest thing was availability which can kind of be split into two categories with covid and with injuries and we definitely had our fair share of both of those things and so um to be able to take the clippers to the length that we did in that series and how competitive it was um Obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted it to, but and there are maybe a lot of reasons as to why that that went that way. But I think you can deem the season a success. Obviously, we are looking to kind of push forward, get out of that first round and kind of trend away from what how things have gone in the past two years. Um, but yeah, it's there. There were so many guys on this team that struggled to kind of gain their rhythm or get their rhythm back with them and kind of get their legs back under them, especially when it came to to shooting and consistency um, as the season kind of went on. So that was a big, big struggle. Uh, but yeah, overall short answer, I think you have to consider the season a success.
2: New coaching staff this season with Jason Kidd coming in, Rick Carlisle out to the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So you guys have Jason Kidd now. What, uh, what do you think is going to be different? What are your expectations for him?
0: Oh boy. <laughs> That's also a good question. Um, I expect them to play with pace. I expect that to be different, um, but I think there's going to be a lot more movement and free-flowing within the offense because mm-hmm. it's one of his big, big things is, look, I need to get Porzingis involved. I need to get him Uh, Yes, I want him to be happy with his role. I think that that's only going to continue to have like this domino effect uh, of positive things that are going to impact this team. If he's happy with his role, he's going to be engaged on both ends of the floor, which Luca will be happy because Luca just wants to win. That's all he cares about. And so if Porzingis is engaged and they're firing on all cylinders together there likely won't be that friction. And if everyone feels like, you know, they're valued and everyone's on the same page and they, they know what direction they're moving or they need to be moving in and they're all on the same page. I think that's really all you can ask for. Um, there are some things that are definitely concerning that, that everyone is kind of aware of, like just how things have gone in his, I mean, his coaching record, it's, it's, it, we all know what it is. And so uh, we're, we're hoping that things go a little bit differently, but, you just kind of got at this point. You got to work with what you've got. So there's no point kind of <laughs> <laughs> being like, well, should we have maybe gone a different direction? I have got the mindset of like this is this is our situation. This is who we've got right now. Whether we make more moves, you know, personnel-wise, that's a whole other conversation. But as of right now, you got to work with what you've got. And so there are positives that come with kid. He's very player-oriented. Guys like playing for him. Kind of, I mean, some of these like reports that come out, I'm like, I, is that even true? I don't know. And so, <laughs> but I know some guys vouch for him, so there has to be something there. So, um, yeah, you kind of just got to work with what you got and hope that the players really rally behind him and kind of all get on the same page moving forward.
2: What was the fan reaction for his hiring? Was it excited, kind of like, oh, we could have done oh, better? Or was it yeah. disappointed? What was it?
0: Um, you know, there was a lot of disappointment, everybody yeah. was rallying. Uh, behind Jamal Mosley we all thought it was his time the relationship was there with Luca we felt that he was worth even though he he didn't have that head coaching experience and the expectation within the organization is that hey we're going to be competitive and we're trying to get out of the first round of the playoffs we're trying to keep progressing and how are you going to do that with a a coach that has no head coaching experience but it was very clear that he was well equipped for the job it made the most sense and so everyone was ready for that to become the hire Um, and then kind of out of left field, Carlisle exits, and he doesn't really give his endorsement, which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Mavs Twitter, Mavs community did not like that one bit because we all all have seen Mosley for years and how hard he works and how much the guys like him. So you can't, there's no, you never hear anyone say anything bad about Jamal Mosley. And so that whole situation, kind of the timing of it, and then seeing him not really get, interviewed or really just being taken into consideration definitely rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but we all also know that this front office, even though it is a new regime, they do like to keep familiar faces around. And so seeing these former players brought in wasn't a total shock. Okay. And so, again, you kind of just got to roll with it. A big concern, again, is the coaching record. How? What's, the, what's a reasonable expectation? But you just you got to hope that everyone was on board and whoever this new head coach is with, I mean, obviously it's Jason Kidd, but you have to assume that Luca was on board with it. He mm-hmm. seems to be. And so you just got to move forward with it. But yeah, there were definitely a lot of a lot of criticisms when that first came out.
3: See, Ben only asked that question because he didn't think it was that great of a hire initially yeah. as well.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, Not a big Jason They're, Kidd fan. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's valid. You know, there are lots of from a, I mean, not just like a PR standpoint, but there's obviously the history there. Uh, I've talked about that at length. Um, And so I wasn't a huge fan of that considering Dallas's organizational current, it's not even history, it's It's current taking place. And Mm -hmm. so um, that that was a little frustrating. And then um, knowing where this team is trying to go, it was a little frustrating seeing that maybe previous relationships were prioritized over someone that might've had a better resume. And so- That is definitely, that's why a lot of people had negative reactions to it. But again, it just, it kind of is what it is. It's the guy that made the hire and and signed his name. It's his team. He owns it. And that's at the end of the day, whether it's the coaching hire, a trade, it's always going to go through him. And so you just got to roll with it and kind of, kind of move forward.
2: We saw, there was that report that came out about uh, Jason Kidd and dealing with Larry Sanders and that whole issue. And then. Also with Giannis, and I think there was that story about like him benching Giannis, even though Giannis showed that he was right on film about a certain defensive matchup. Yep. Is And we know how Giannis' personality is, especially when he was a rookie. He was definitely not more of an aggressive guy. Right. Luca, though, on the other hand, he's been around. He's a pro. He's not going to, to shy away from something like that if— do you see them being able to coexist if, if Jason Kidd pulls something like that where you know he's kind of being hard-headed? It just seems like two like hard-headed guys yeah. that are going to yeah. have to coexist. No.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that, I mean, that's definitely a great point. Um my thing is with Kid, he's not someone like like Doc Rivers or someone that's been around. Really has like just been around and his nest like has their their uh their history. He's kind of a newer head coach, even though he's been in a couple of different, te- been with a couple of different teams now. So my opinion was that this hire is, he's he's here for the relationships and he's here to kind of be the pretty face that a lot of people know and a lot of players might want to come play for, but we all kind of know Luca's the head coach. And that's just, it's not a shot at Jason Kidd. I don't want it to come across as that, but everyone knows that this is Luca's team when he's out there, the ball's in his hands. And so I have to think, I have to assume that they're going to be collaborative. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm Luca, You need to shut up and listen to me. Or it's not Jason Kidd being like, look, man, this is your team. Like, I'm just going to take a back seat. I don't think it's either of those things. I just don't think that Kidd is really in a position to be like, I have an established system and everyone knows that I have a particular system for my team. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just going to kind of be this, they're both, they were both, I mean, he was a point guard, Luca's a point guard. And so they they both, I think they're just going to really try to, collaborate together but I will like there will absolutely be moments where Luca will get frustrated and he will express that he always does every call it doesn't matter he's gonna show <laughs> it um but I do think that long term if the team is underperforming he will be the first to go and there's a reason that Luca's Slovenian coach was hired as the assistant coach
3: mm. so it's the summer, so you know the young guys are out there playing. Has anyone impressed you on this summer league roster from the Dallas Mavericks so far?
0: Yeah, so I really like Farron Hunt. I was tweeting about him yesterday. Um, okay. But, there, I mean, there are a number of guys that I, I do like. I just think they're a little too raw right now. I mean, honestly, all of them. I think they're they're too raw to be playing in NBA games as of right now. I like Nate Hinton. I like Eugene. Both of our two-way guys, they're both solid Nate what I love about Nate cuz he was a two-way guy last year, he plays with so much confidence and you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that. When he gets in the game, he's looking to shoot and he's not necessarily, I mean, every young guy's going to take bad shots, but when he gets in there, he's like, "Look, I'm out here I'm a pro. I'm out here with you guys. I'm going to shoot. I'm not just looking <laughs> to facilitate." And I love that cuz that's rare. You don't really see that in a lot of young guys. So, I love that from him. I think Eugene has a really um NBA ready body, like he's, he's thick. And so people keep talking about, can he be this PJ Tucker light prototype? Can he be this big body? That's going to play hard, maybe knock down some threes, stretch the floor a little bit and just play tough defense. And so I do like that from him. And then for Ron Hunt, like the, the frame, like he's, he's uh what is it? Like he's, he's long. He's just, I really like him as a player. He's active. Um, I enjoy watching him. But again, I think a lot of these guys are, are very raw and, and need time to develop in uh, the G league for sure.
2: Even while talking about other teams love sneaking in questions that have to do with the Chicago bulls. Of course. So, and, <laughs> and this is with Lowry Markinen and his name That's obviously has right. been in link to the Mavericks with sign and trades or signing a deal outright. Uh, do you, do you see a fit with Lowry with the Mavericks? Um, do you think he could fit with Luca and, and the way this team plays?
0: Yes, absolutely. So this has been a very hot topic among Mavs Twitter because people are very on the fence about it. I'm very pro-Lowry because, yes, we have Porzingis, and he's very similar to Porzingis. Do I think they'll play together? No, you cannot do that. I think everybody knows that. But Porzingis is never going to play 82 games in a season. It's not going to happen. And so if you've got someone like Markinen who you're going to be paying probably $10 million less than what Porzingis is making annually— uh, I think that provides some insurance for KP if he goes out or let, let me phrase it this way. If Porzingis is healthy and he's playing however many minutes a game, he's the first sub out. You throw Markkinen in, play Markkinen 20, 25 minutes a game and just allow Porzingis to continue to load manage, kind of not necessarily take it easy, but not have all this pressure on him. He's also not going to have all this offensive or this pressure to to produce 20, 25 points a game if you've got someone like Markkinen. Luka is going to play. Every minute of the game. And so when you have someone like, like Luca, he's gonna draw a lot of attention. And I think Markinen can can feed off that. Um, I also think he's kind of an underrated rim runner. I think he can be if he's playing with the right guards, and he showed that in Chicago. Um, and so uh there are a lot oh god, there are so many reasons I could keep going. But with Porzingis, I also think in the long term, if for some reason it's like, hey, they're so redundant that even their production is a little too similar, if we want to really try to force this move with Porzingis or put an emphasis on moving on from that situation, we can slide marketing right into that role, making 10 million less annually and just kind of go from there. So I, I think at the very least, it's kind of a low risk move because whoever we give to Chicago, I think there are lots of guys that we have that because sh- Chicago's in a great position to compete now. And so yes. there are guys that we have that can help them with that. And we are kind of in a position where we're like, look, we don't have, draft assets. We don't have a ton of young guys, someone like marketing. We need to take a swing. And if it pans out in our system, great. If it doesn't, I mean, at the very least, you know, you're going to get a shooting big man. And so you kind of just got to, got to roll with that. But yeah, I, I am all on the marketing train. I think he, I think he wants to be here. I think he wants the fresh start. Um, And I, Luca just has a, a knack for making guys put, better numbers up. And so I, I'd yeah. like to see what that looks like. And then, yeah, it does give you flexibility with the Porzingis situation moving forward.
2: Bulls Twitter has really wanted Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. I think one of the two is, is really? seemingly the guys they've kept yeah. their eyes on.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be one of our bigs. We just don't know which one. Dallas is very much like we do not want to get Maxi, but anyone else you can have him. Um, but I, I just don't know... Well, I have a I have a few hunches as to what could be holding the deal up, but Maxi will be the hardest one uh, for Dallas to let go, and so I don't know if if Chicago is saying it's Maxi or nothing, but the Mavs love Maxi, and so that's going to be a tough one to let go. So I just I I don't know where they're at with that. So I don't know. We'll see.
3: (laughs) So okay, outside of Lloyd marketing, right? What? other things you think Mark Cuban should address in terms of the roster before the season starts so that Luca will be fully satisfied.
0: Oh man. Um you know the secondary playmaking is definitely a big a big like area of concern. And so <laughs> obviously we're all looking at this Gorandovic situation hoping that that goes in our favor but you can't bank on that to happen, you know. Yeah. And so Unfortunately, a lot of the guys that could have come in and, and really filled that role have come and gone or are, are on new teams. And so I was actually on a podcast the other day and somebody asked me, they go, if you could have anyone next to Luca, like what would the prototype be? And I was like, I mean, obviously someone's gonna say like Steph Curry or Dame Lillard, but prototype wise, realistic, realistically attainable guys, who's someone that I would've put next to Luca? Lonzo, would've been Lonzo all day. They should've been pushing hard for Lonzo. He would've been perfect. But I don't even know that we talked to him. And so okay. it kind of felt like Lonzo to Chicago was something that had been in the works for since I think the last trade deadline, it kind of felt like that was going to happen. But um, I, actually well, yeah, I don't know. But it, it just, it's so frustrating because that has, that has been the number one need is the secondary ball handler more so than like a small ball big next to KP who's more defensive oriented. The number one thing was a secondary playmaker and we just, we didn't get that. And so. I know we had our eyes on Kyle Lowry, but again, you can't bank on the like one of the top, like most sought-after free agents out there. And so it just – I don't really know at this point what they do now. I do have confidence that Goran is going to come to Dallas. It just kind of seems like it's going to happen one way or another. Okay. Whether I talk to people with the Mavs or Toronto people, it just kind of seems like it's going to happen. But again, until it's happened, it hasn't happened. And so who's your secondary playmaker? Like I don't know because they're not going to start Jalen Brunson, even though maybe he could start on some NBA teams, they won't do it. Um, and I think that that's the right call. But as of right now, you've surrounded Luca with shooters, which you do need to do. But the number one thing that people keep saying in in past years is we okay, maybe we have these shooters, but we don't have guys that can create outside of Luca. We don't have anyone that can create, right, and so. Right. That was the logic behind the Josh Richardson move. And then obviously that didn't pan out very well. And so now it's like, okay, we're moving back to shooters, which is again, great, but we still, like, we've just gone in a circle. And so I I don't know who is still out there that they would reasonably, or that they would consider because the problem, they need a starter. They need a secondary playmaker that's a starter and they didn't get one. And so it was kind of, it wasn't do or die this off season, but there was a lot of pressure on them to, to kind of cross that off their, their checklist. And it hasn't happened yet. And so again, if we somehow get Goran and Markin in the next, well, it might not be until October, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, If we somehow start the ro- or the season with both of them on our roster, I will be happy. But um, you just, I don't know. I've learned that you kind of just got to keep your, your expectations reasonable if you're not one of the top markets.
2: Where do you see the Mavs falling next season? Looking at the entire Western Conference standing-wise, I know it's early and you, a lot can happen, trades, lock, everything. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, mid-August, where can you see them finishing next season?
0: I'm gonna just answer this with our current roster. Okay. I'm gonna put us. Oh, don't come for me, Mavs Twitter. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: I'm gonna put us in the fifth or sixth spot. I. I think Luca is so good that there's no chance that we're like in the plan. He's that good, but yeah. they swung and they missed on a lot this off season. And you just got to be prepared for the, the repercussions of that. And so I, I don't think that they're going to be, you can't be at the top of the West with just Luca, especially with some of these teams that are just continuing to get better. Like Memphis is just my goodness. Like there are so many teams that are on the rise. I think Portland might take a step back, but Again, there's always someone like Golden State is coming, but it's just it's it's tough. So and same goes for the East, like it's just crazy. And so you gotta, I mean, I can I can name easily four teams that that will likely perform or that are expected to to outperform us. And so it just it's it's very tough. But even with I don't want to be so negative, but even with Goran, I think I can still name four teams that easily outperform us, even though Luka might be top ten, top five if you ask ninety percent of Mavs Twitter. Team. So. What teams you think? I think both L.A. teams. Okay. Um, Wait, hold on.
3: The Clippers, too? Because, you know, they say Kawhi may not start off the season. So right. you, do you still think they'll be a top four team?
0: Um, I mean, uh, it's so close because you got Denver right there. You got Golden State right there. Like, I think you can just as easily switch out Denver with the Clippers. Or, I don't know, I think it's going to kind of – you're going to have the top tier, which is going to be L.A., Phoenix. And, but then, like, where do you throw Utah in? You know what I mean? It's kind of like
3: <laughs> –
0: So it's it's just – it's tough. I I just – Dallas has so many consistency issues. And so I, I need to see what the system looks like because it was so – like, I knew Rick Carlisle's system so clearly. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know who's going to play when. It's so – we've seen this for so long now. But now it's like – <laughs> like what? I really don't know what's going to happen. And so I'd like to think like I maybe I know what should happen based off of how much I've watched these guys. But uh, that's not just that's just not how it goes. Um, And so I got to say fifth, sixth. I really do think that that's most likely. I pray. I pray they prove me wrong. But
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's just where I'm at.
3: All right. Well, give us your boldest take on how you think the Dallas Mavericks will do. This upcoming season. The big
2: bold prediction.
0: Bold prediction. That means See,
3: all this season, one, this
2: all one, season you move anything. <laughs>
0: what, oh, all season move or okay. Uh, this
2: one, Mavs Twitter can't yell at you because it's just a bold prediction. It's, it's just, just a a bold,
0: a, They'll find a way. <laughs> they will find a
2: way.
0: <laughs> um, boldest prediction. I'm just gonna throw this one out there because it keeps coming to my mind. I don't know if it's gonna happen. My boldest prediction: three team trade. Porzingis to Portland, CJ to Philly, Ben Simmons to Dallas, Markinon to wow. Dallas. That's your starting front court, Markinon and Ben Simmons.
2: Oh my God, that would be Simmons wild. switches positions.
0: Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's he's in your front court. If Ben to Dallas, <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> a Markinon Simmons front court would be wild. I would, that would be insane. That would my, be fun,
0: and so. that's that's another reason why I'm like, if you go for Markinon, who you tra- if you trade Porzingis, if you think that that's reasonably possible or like it's not it's not a remote possibility if you think that there's a decent chance having marketing allows you to trade for a different type of player because if you trade for if you have porzingis right now and you trade porzingis who's going to be your front court you know what i mean we don't have like you just got to be realistic with your assets and so if you have marketing you can oh, say, uh, look,
3: <laughs> like, you know what I you mean? Rang. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like, if you get marketing, it's like, look, man, we paid you like time to time to put your money where your mouth is. And so mm. if you if you make a move, you can you can go get if you want to trade Porzingis, you can go after a score. You can go after the secondary ball handler. It really opens up potential targets. And I think as time goes on, Philly will be more reasonable with what their return should be and so I just I don't know how that's gonna go like I I kind of I kind of look around at guys that could be potentially on their way out of current situations and CJ makes a lot of sense I don't really know why Portland would want unless they're just like we just need to shake things up personally if I'm them I'd hang on to CJ over yes. get. Getting- I, guess I think that that's probably more wise, but sometimes people just look for, for reasons to shake, shake things up. And so I look around, I'm like, Carl Anthony Towns, it's too early. Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, like someone like Brandon Ingram, or even like the Shea thing that happened for like five minutes. I just, I don't really see those materializing. I think those guys even have more value than Ben Simmons, even though I'm still really high on Ben Simmons. If you, I think if you use him differently, you can get a lot of success there. Um, you just have to bank on him not improving the shooting and knowing what you're getting currently and, and yeah. build your system around that. You can't say, oh, I'm going to get Ben Simmons, but he's going to learn to shoot. That no, that doesn't work. So um, <laughs> Dallas, like, that's a swing I'm taking, but I don't know that they will. I don't think that they will. I, but I like I'm,
2: it.
0: Out there, my bold prediction.
2: That's perfect. Is. That's all we need. We needed one very bold prediction. <laughs> that was perfect. Laura, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can people find your work? Podcasts, on Twitter, all everything.
0: Yeah, so uh, all, all my work is linked to my Twitter, which is at LGUN with four N's. Um, I do co-host uh, The Gun Shop with my brother, Grant Gunn. Uh, our Twitter is is also linked to my individual personal Twitter. Uh, I also write for Mads Moneyball, the SB Nation page. Uh, which is also in my Twitter. So uh, all that stuff is there, and uh, you can you can find me on Twitter. Come chat. I'd love to chat with Bulls fans. I think they had an awesome off season. So I'd love to chat Bulls. We're excited. Sweet. Yeah, We're I would excited. be too. <laughs> 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 I don't think you missed on anything.
2: <laughs> we did it finally. Um, it
0: good,
2: it well, it appreciate good, having man. you on, Lauren.
0: Yes, thank you guys so much.
2: We want to welcome a special
3: guest on the Points in the Paint podcast, presented by Stadium all the way down in the (laughs) H-Town. He is a contributor of SB Nation's Dream Shake, fan-sided Space City Scoop, and a host on the Apollo Launchpad podcast, covering everything Houston Rockets. We want to welcome Lashar Blinkley. Thank you for joining us on the Points in the Paint podcast.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here. Always happy to talk. Appreciate the invitation.
3: Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I know you're enjoying that warm weather down there in Houston.
1: <laughs> uh it's kinda it's kinda cool here. It's only ninety two degrees. So <laughs> oh, it's cool really? wow. yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty nice for down here. Oh Ooh, man. Wait.
3: That'll be real spicy
1: up here in Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm already I'm already it's, starting to sweat. It's a little bit. <laughs>
3: So let's jump right into it. I mean, first off, let's just talk about, you know, the previous season of the Houston Rockets. You know, what do you think of that season overall under, you know, first-year head coach Steven Silas and based upon, you know, what he had to endure in his first season?
1: Uh, I mean, it was a wild season. I mean, it actually goes all the way back before the season. I mean, you're you're looking at starting a team with uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, um, a lot of other veterans, and then the dominoes just start to fall. You had Daryl Morey event- uh, first saying he wanted to spend time with his family. Then a week later, he's with Philadelphia. Then you had Russell Westbrook, who wanted it out. Um, and then, of course, the, all the drama with James Harden, that lasted until uh, around the beginning of January. Um, so it was a crazy season. I mean, there was a lot of expectations going in. The Rockets were happy. The fans were happy. They were able to bring Christian Wood. There was a lot of excitement surrounding that. And then you go from, like I said, Harden and Westbrook to basically playing 30 different players last year. They were like the number one team and number of players, number one team and a number of uh, starting lineups. So it was a wild season. I, I really felt the worst for Coach Silas because, I mean, he waited 20 years to get an yeah. opportunity. And then, just like that, snap of a finger, he's coaching the worst team in the league. So, I mean, that's kind of an eye opener. So, I, I, like I said, it was kind of a roller coaster season. Um, lots of ups and downs, and I know Rockets fans are. That's why Rockets fans are so excited. It may seem like on the outside, like, why are they getting so excited about, you know, four rookies? It's because they're coming off like a 17 win season. So, that's why there's a lot of excitement around here.
2: So as someone who's connected to the Rockets fans, like you said, I mean, this is a team that went from a Western Conference Finals appearance, a team that people thought could make it in the finals to being, you know, a sub 20 win team. Was the reaction from the fans just kind of like shock or were they more expecting something like that to happen eventually? What was what was their reaction to a season like that after the success they had?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at it up until even after the James Harden trade, it was still optimism going on because, you know, we had traded for Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, we didn't know how that was all going to play out, but mm-hmm. at the time when they brought Depot in, it was still some excitement. I mean, John Wall, even though he's, you know, was kind of in and out of lineup, he was still playing well. Christian Wood was actually on his way to possibly an all-star appearance before he mm-hmm. got hurt, uh, against Memphis. So <laughs> actually right before he got hurt, they had won seven of eight games. They were right around 500, um, right at the end of the playoffs. So. A lot of optimism was still going on, but then it just started to go downhill, injury after injury. John Wall couldn't play back-to-backs. Then you had DeMarcus Cousin who wanted um, to be traded, so they end up letting him go, and then eventually P.J. Tucker. And then, you know, all, everybody in Houston started seeing a writing on the wall that, you know, where the season was going. It was going towards the lottery, and at that point, I think a lot of people were just hoping that they wouldn't lose their pick in the upcoming draft. <laughs> so. I mean, I think it was a lot of shock because if you know, for eight years, Rockets and Rockets fans didn't have to worry about the playoffs. I mean, it was a foregone right. conclusion when James Harden was here. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty big shock dealing with that, and then the twenty game losing streak. It was a lot to deal with. So you
2: have the bad season, but then yeah. you get to the draft. You guys get the, they get Jalen Green. You get three other first rounders. What, yes. What's your assessment of the Rockets' draft this season, and do you believe
1: they addressed the issues that they had? Uh, I mean, they addressed a lot of them. I mean, of course, you can't address all your issues when you only won 17 games in one draft. <laughs> um, and but they addressed a lot of issues. They needed, you know, top line talent. They got that in Jalen Green. Um, they definitely needed help in the front court. I don't know if a lot of people thought Aberon Sangun was going to be this good. Um, we're trying to temper expectations a little bit just because there's only been three summer league games, but it's kind of hard. Looking when, nice. he's coming, <laughs> Yeah. When he's coming in and he's putting on moves like, you know, like a former rocker, Luis Scola, he's like almost a carbon copy in the post. And then uh, Uzma Garuba just got in. So we don't really know a lot about him yet. Um, the last game he just flew in. So he was really jet lagged. So, You can't really take too much from that. But then Josh Christopher, I mean, he definitely looks like a player. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe he fell to 24. I mean, he's definitely one of the better perimeter defenders getting to the basket. So they injected a lot of life into the Rockets. And right now, it's just a matter of figuring out the rotation going forward with John Wall and Eric Gordon still on the roster. So
3: what should Coach Silas philosophy be, you believe, this upcoming season with all these new additions?
1: Well, I mean, I still think that you have to play your veterans because you just don't want a team full of rookies, even though you're rebuilding. I think having veterans on your team can be a benefit, even if you're not, you know, trying to compete for a championship because they can teach those younger players how to play the game. I mean, if you have a bunch of rookies on the team and second year players, like who is teaching who? I mean, of course, you have a coach, but a lot of times players are going to listen to other players before they even listen to a coach. So. I know a lot of people in Houston are ready for John Wall to be traded. That's kind of a running joke down here, but honestly, very interesting. Yes. It's a really big thing on Rockets Twitter. Um, trying to (laughs) trade John Wall because they think he's going to take a lot of, because KPJ came out and said that he's a point guard. He doesn't really want to play shooting guard. He's the point guard. They had him down in G league running point, the entire G league. He ran a lot of point guard once John Wall went out. So, a lot of people are thinking he's going to hinder their growth. And, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth with that. But I still think that John Walker can some benefit because there's really no way you're going to get off his contract in the first year. I mean, I know people are saying buy him out, but he has two years left on a 90 plus million dollar contract. So I don't think that you're going to be able to buy him out this year. So he's going to be there. They tried to trade Eric Gordon. Um, they weren't able to do that yet. He could possibly still be gone by the trade deadline. But to begin the season, both of those guys are going to be there. So they're going to be running a lot of three-guard lineups uh, with KPJ, John Wall, Jalen Green, and then with Christian Wood at center. Then from there, you just kind of figure out, you know, if you're going to be playing Daniel Tice or you're going to be playing Jay Sean Tate. So they still got a lot of stuff to work out before the season starts.
2: It's funny you say that because our our next question was literally, what are your expectations for yeah. John Wall and, <laughs> and Kevin Porter Jr.? But yeah. I'm just shocked that, that – Rockets fans are either wanting to get traded or is it they're wanting him to get traded or they're expecting him to get traded
1: or a little of both a little of both Um, a lot of wanting him to be traded it's just that I I think that a lot of Rockets fans are really based on a lot of it on last year and it's kind of hard to do that when you have such a bad record (sighs) I mean I, I think once Christian Wood got hurt and the Rockets were out of the playoffs John Wall was just trying to really get himself back to you know, 2017, 2018, John Wall. And that a lot of people think that he's not going to be the playmaker that he used to be, that he's just going to try to get his own shot. I don't personally agree with that. And I get a lot of pushback on that. (laughs) I think that, like I said, he can bring benefit. And I think that he can work with a three-guard lineup. It's just, he will have to take a step back because he's not going to be able to last year. He took close to probably 18, 19, 20 shots a game. And he's not going to be able to do that with Jalen green coming in the fold. And, you still have KPJ and Christian Wood needs this shot. It's only so
3: one basketball. It's only one <laughs> basketball. So, yeah, he's,
1: he's going to take a step back allow Derek Derrick Rose or play more like a Chris Paul, be more of a facilitator instead of, you know, constantly taking all the shots. you
2: seen an all-star appearance
1: for Christian Wood in the future? I mean, I, I do. I mean, it's... I think it's been forgotten that he averaged 20 and 10 last year. He only played 41 games, but he averaged 20 and 10. He shot 37% from three-point range. And he, like I said, before he got hurt, up until that injury, he was actually you know, in contention for an all-star appearance. And with all the people that dropped out, he probably would have made the all-star game if he wouldn't have had that ankle injury. So I think it's a real possibility that you know he could still – be at least in contention for one of those uh, last All-Star appearances. So, um, I mean, in all kinds, depends on how the Rockets are playing as well, because if they come out they there, you know, 10 and 25 or something like that, he's probably not going to get the recognition. So it's all about if they're at least playing decent up until the All-Star break, he definitely has a chance.
3: Okay, so my next question is, you know, this team does have a lot of youth. Yeah. And some veterans as well. I didn't expect, you know, Rockets fans to be out here trying to trade John Wall. That's oh, yes. that's new thing. to me. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's new to me. So that yeah. that's very shocking. But you know, overall, I think this team can be, you know, contention in terms of playoffs. But what do you think they can do in terms of competing in the playoffs in the Western Conference?
1: Uh, so that's kind of a tricky question. I, I really think that they're have a chance to be a play-in team. That's probably the, you know, the ceiling for them this year. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't think you can really say that, oh, they're going to be a top four scene. That's kind of crazy to think that a team with a, that many young players is going to be, you know, in, you know, top four or five, six, even seven or eight. I think they have a chance if they stay healthy. Like, I mean, you could say by every team, but if they can stay healthy, I think they can fight for like that 10th spot. I mean, it... it You know, a lot of people are even considering, well, maybe they should be bad enough again to get another lottery pick. But I I just don't see that. I see that, you know, we bring in Jalen Green. I say Jayshon Tate, K.J. Martin is improving. You still have Christian Wood. I mean, I think Daniel Tice is going to fill the Zach role that they need as a big man that can guard other big men because that's not really Christian Wood's strength. So I think that they can have a possibility to fight for that 10th seed because, I mean, you have to look at it. I mean, they they can be better than Sacramento's of the world. Uh, they can be better than, I mean, they can be fighting with Memphis. You never know, because Memphis was one of those playing teams. Yeah. Um, so Portland could possibly take a step back. I mean, you never know what's going to happen throughout the year, what teams are going to fall back. So you only have to be better than, what, three or four other teams <laughs> to <Take laughs> fight for a 10th spot. So yeah. it's definitely a possibility. So.
3: Okay, Christian Woods, is he a four or a five to you? Because I feel like he's more of a four than a five.
1: What do you think? I mean, I agree. I think he's a four. But it's the way their roster is constructed right now. They're not going to sit Jalen Green. They're not going to sit Kevin Porter Jr. And John Wall is definitely not going to sit on the bench. So you're going to have to run a three-guard lineup. And then at that point, you're trying to figure out, okay, are you playing Sean Tate, who's their best perimeter defender? Are you playing Daniel Tice, who's probably going to be their best – inside defender so i think it's going to be a matchup based thing but ultimately um like you said christian wood to me is a power forward he's not a center he fits more on the perimeter he's not really good at you know guarding the big guys the Jokic's of the world that's not really his game so i think ultimately he's better as a power forward
3: all right give us your boldest take (laughs) for the houston rockets this upcoming season
1: for this upcoming season my boldest take, um, it could be about players record, where whatever. My <laughs> boldest take is that they could contend for their division. That's my boldest take. and the okay. only reason I say that is because <laughs> their division isn't exactly you know murders role when it comes to divisions. I mean, right. you got Memphis who honestly probably is the you know the favorite to win a division. The Mavericks are still, I don't know what the Mavericks are doing. I don't know who they're trying to bring in. I mean, I know they re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr., but they still have a lot of question marks themselves. Um, And then San Antonio, they're kind of in flux. They're kind of in the middle of, are they rebuilding or are they trying to win? So, I mean, that's my boldest take that the Rockets can actually contend (laughs) to win their division this year.
2: (laughs) All right, LaShare, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work online and uh, podcasts and everything like that?
1: Uh, so they can find me on Twitter at HTime for 40. It's all caps. Um, okay. Like I mentioned before, I am a contributor for Space City Scoop. I'm a contributor for the Dream Shake. Um, and also I am a podcast host for Launchpad Podcast, uh, which is part of Apollo Media that comes out every week, every Saturday. I actually have a show tomorrow with uh, Ross vailor He's one of the, uh, guys, down here on Sports Talk 790, uh, Rockets okay. Flash Station. So, definitely check that out, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, you okay. can find me. I'm everywhere pretty much. Oh, and I also have a Rockets for Life fan uh, page on Facebook and a group. So, I'm Rockets everywhere. All right. <laughs> there, you go. You get rockets. there you go. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> well, Sheriff appreciate you joining us. Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate having me on and uh, definitely love the show.